Hey everyone, this is Ksenia Montan and welcome to another episode of People of Marketing podcast. I'm the founder and CEO of Planable, the collaboration tool for social media teams, and I launched this podcast to take a sneak peek into the lives of marketers that inspire me. Every week, we explore the story of their careers, the choices, mistakes, wins, and imperfections of their work life. Today, we're going to take a sneak peek into the life of Lachlan Williams. He has over 15 years of experience in both creative and media agencies. He started out in Sydney, uh, where he majored in advertising and PR, and he's currently based in London. Lachlan, thank you so, so much for joining me today on People of Marketing podcast. Great to be here. Thank you. (laughs) Good. So we'll start by just deep diving into your career and connecting the dots. Um, What would you say was your first interaction with marketing and advertising? Basically, what got you into marketing in the first place? Yeah. Uh, The answers to those questions are very different, actually. Uh, okay the very the very first interaction and this is kind of with you know with hindsight looking back Mm, yeah very very first interaction that i ever had with with marketing and advertising consciously was in primary school okay um it's it's a looking back it's a very strange project to give a bunch of kids but um (laughs) we were asked to design a surf brand Uh, oh wow i i I grew up uh in a in a very sort of coastal area of of, uh, of Australia. That's of such Sydney. that's such an Australian uh, thing to give to, to I kids. Know, I know, I know. <laughs> totally. The most Australian thing that's ever happened, a bunch of school kids designed yeah. surf logos. Um, so yeah, they gave us this task in, in primary school and I remember really enjoying the process of, uh, I was I was quite kind of artistic as a, as a kid. I, I liked mm. like sketching, I liked drawing, I liked music. Um, so I, I really enjoyed projects like this because I mean, I got, got to draw, I got to think. And it was different in lots of ways than uh, other projects that we'd sort of done, like just, you know, draw dinosaurs and shit. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of realized as, as I was going through doing this, it was, it was mm. quite different to some of the other types of projects where you're just drawing something for the sake of drawing something or, or trying to record history. This, yeah. was, this was about trying to create an artifact that represented something. It had, it had symbolism in it. Um, and I enjoyed the thought process of that. And it, I didn't think anything of it because I was, you know, like eight or something. Right. Um, but then many, many years later, when I kind of was more aware, I kind of looked back at, I found it as I was going through kind of you know, cleaning out drawers. So do you still have it? You know what? I, I'm sure that my mum has it somewhere <laughs> hidden away. <laughs> She's going to pull out at some point saying, I remember this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I have no idea where it is. I, I do remember roughly kind of what it, what it sort of looked like and it was awful. Um, but <laughs> it, it was, it was uh, remarkably similar to Quicksilver's brand, um, mm. unsurprisingly. Uh, How but, old so that, were you, by the way? Uh, I reckon like eight or ten. That's actually pretty, eight, eight and ten. that's a pretty cool project actually to give to, to school kids. It's, it's very you know, different from, you know, what you usually do in school. Yeah, I mean, my, my primary school was fantastic. Uh, I remember like, looking back, the sorts of things that we got to do. That was super fun. We did lots of science science projects, lots of art stuff, um, which is kind of surprising for a school on the coast because um, the coast is not exactly the most culturally rich place in the world. Uh, yeah. It's lovely. It's very beautiful, but there's, there's not a lot of depth. Um, so <laughs> okay. uh, I think we were quite quite lucky. Some of the teachers we had in the school were, were really fantastic mm. and, and kind of really, really pushed people. It, it's funny, but when you kind of look, look back, you start to realise kind of, 
the people that played a massive role yeah. in kind of influencing where, yeah. you, where you ended up and how conscious you were of that. Um, yeah. I had a wonderful teacher called Mrs. Mrs. O. O'Connell, who was an artist. Um, and she and her husband had like a, a house kind of a Berkeley Vale that had a huge art studio attached to it. Mm. And so uh, when I was in her class, a lot of the projects were art based. Um, and in, even if we were learning about something, we did it through art. Um, and it was what she was one of my favorite teachers. And a, a lot of the thought processes I think that I have now um, came from some of the ways that she thought about stuff. Cause it wasn't just about recording information. It was about interpreting stuff, understanding right. what it meant and trying to express it in a way that, that was kind of unique. So that, that's a very long answer to kind of the, <laughs> the first experience I had with marketing. But So um, do you remember, of, do you remember with the project, your thought process, do you remember anything about how you felt when you interacted with it? No, I, I mean, I remember I probably spent more time worrying about the visual aesthetic of mm, it and like sketching the, things yeah. and getting the shape than the actual thought process because I was, you know, mm -hmm. I, was eight, I didn't have any idea what this, <laughs> what this thing was. But I kind of knew what I wanted it to feel like. And, yeah. and I guess that's, that's kind of the, the, one of the biggest things is that you can overthink tons of stuff in, in this, mm. this industry, yeah. um, but you can't forget how something's supposed to feel. It's, it's a really sharpening kind of thing to, to say to yourself fairly constantly when you're working through something. It's like, well, what do, what do people need to feel as a result of this? That's what, true. What are, what are they taking away from that? And, and I, know that, I know that I felt that when I, was, when I was doing this work. In fact, most things was kind of like how it made me feel. Um, yeah. So that, that's the first exposure to it. But in terms of um, actually thinking about going into marketing, I, yeah. I, I never thought I'd go into marketing. Um, <laughs> wow. I, what, did you, what did you think you were, you were going to do? Well, I mean, I kind of, the, the degree that I did at, at university yeah. um, was basically a Bachelor of Arts. Um, mm -hmm. And you did, it was a, a three-year degree. And for the first, first two years, um, you could take a whole range of different electives from across the whole spectrum of kind of arts and communications. Uh, you basically came in through a major, um, but the first two years you then spent taking electives from across the whole spectrum of uh, kind of stuff. So um, I did courses in journalism. I did courses in um, media arts production. So like radio editing, film, photography, um, to really get like a wide range of um, of skills and a wide range of kind of processes from, from each of those things. Yeah. I, I, I love some of the, the kind of production stuff I, in a different life. I would have loved to have done uh, music production. Um, mm. So I, I really enjoyed a lot of those things and actually um, built up a little tiny bit of craft um, across some of those, those different courses, um, which gave me just, you know, totally different tools for thinking, um, which, which plays a big role in, in my, my process now. Um, right. It's not, there's not sort of just one, one single way that I end up doing stuff. And a lot of that came from the, the diversity of the, of the courses that, that I took at, at uni. Um, but it, even though I kind of took that course um, and it was a major in uh, advertising and PR, um, I wasn't entirely sure where I was going to end up as a result of that. And hmm. it, it sort of became much clearer as I was going through um, uni that it was even even less certain kind of what the outcome of that was going to be because the industry was, was changing quite, quite a lot. Um, and it wasn't until I think the very, very last semester of my very, very last year that I had any inkling of kind of what type of role I thought I, I might actually be good at. Um, I hadn't actually even really, I mean, you kind of read it in the textbooks and kind of see the kind of um, role described in, uh, as, <laughs> yeah. as, as kind of strategy and you go, yeah, cool, I don't know what that kind of means. It's much more obvious that the person that gets to make the ad or draw the picture or whatever it is, mm. that's a lot more kind of clear. 
Um, and so strategy, it didn't really occur to me until quite late. And one of my tutors said, I think, I think you're probably a planner. <laughs> like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, well, you know, you you can see, you can see the whole picture. You mm. think about the plan of like, what, what is going to be the thing that you have to do to make it right. And you can see enough of the creative process that you understand it and can respect it. Um, so you probably sit somewhere in there and like, okay, that's incredibly helpful. And I, I actually remember the, the moment sitting in, sitting in their, their kind of office and they, they drew on a whiteboard, a kind of a, a process and said, you, you are here. This is, this is where your strength is. Um, and that was incredibly helpful. Um, so it wasn't until I, I think the very, very end of, of my, my kind of uni that I, I really had a, any sort of real certainty about kind of what that, what that kind of meant. Yeah. So what, one of the great things about the, the degree that, that I did, and, and particularly the course coordinator, a wonderful lady called Ruth Spence Stone, another giant uh, influence on my, my kind of career development. Mm-hmm. Um, she organized internships um, for everyone in the, in the kind of the advertising class of which there's maybe like 35 people, I think. And uh, we actually got to do a couple of different ones um, and sort of check out to see what, what kind of worked for us. Right. And I, I went. I went into a media agency, um, which was which was a little, in hindsight, a little bit odd, the kind of where it is that I kind of maybe wanted to go. But my mm. my hunch was that um, at at the time, uh, Naked Communications was was doing their thing, and the, the whole idea of don't start with the medium in mind, start by trying to solve a problem. Right. Um, and they're doing some, they were doing some fantastic work. That was what what the the shitty term at the time was media neutral or, or the worst one, media, <laughs> media, media agnostic, which is ridiculous because it just means you don't believe in media. Um, yeah. But so I, I kind of thought, well, if you've got the creative agencies um, who are seemingly disconnected from the growing role of media and context, uh, and, and as the internet was kind of growing, uh, this is, I mean, this is before, this is before like <laughs> Facebook and stuff. So uh, <laughs> I was taking, I was taking a, a, a real sort of gamble on media agencies yeah. would take a, a big part of the kind of the marketing pie um, and that that's where the future of strategy probably lies. Um, I was kind of right, but I was also massively wrong in mm. the sense that media agencies never really seemed to be able to take the client leadership because they didn't own yeah. the brand. Um, and they, they had, a, I think they, they probably should have taken that leadership role. Um, but they simply didn't have the relationship, I, I don't think, or the, or the kind of the probably strategic or creative leadership yeah. to kind of really take take that away from the traditional agencies. And it's it's still a it's still a battle that um, rages between sort of creative and media, and even even more hilariously, traditional creative agencies and and digital creative agencies. Mm. Like digital is something that you can choose to be a part of or not 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 be a part of. It's just <laughs> hilarious to me. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of went, in, went into media and, and got a, a really good grounding in understanding context, understanding how um, people actually access information um, and built up my kind of strategic chops there, which is hugely formative for, for the work, work that I'm doing now. Mm. Um, and I guess I kind of owe that in, in large part to, to the kind of the openness of, of, the, of the course and the structure of the the course that I did at uni that gave us access to all the different disciplines and, and gave us a kind of taste of what each of those things might actually be. Right. Cause I guess, you know, your hunch about what works for you, you know, it takes you at, you know, at a certain level, but until you don't actually try and, and do that, you, you're never going to know, you know, what fits and what doesn't for you professionally. Um, so I think that's, you know, 
a great experience to to be able to just try bits and pieces from different things and realize what's the best for you right absolutely i mean there's there's no better experience than experience yeah <laughs> you, can, <laughs> yep. you can you can read all the blogs that you want you can listen right. to all the the wonderful podcasts by the way yeah uh, yeah but yeah. Unless, unless you give it a go you, you you won't really know so you talked about a few people that influenced you early in your career early in your life did you have someone along your journey um that you really admired in, in marketing, you know, like a role model when you were just starting out, did you follow anyone? Um, yes, yes and no. Mm. Um, I, I was really fortunate to have some excellent teachers, um, and not just at university, but, but in, in the places that I worked as well. Yeah. Um, and again, with the power of hindsight, some of the people that maybe uh, I didn't get along with as, as well as you might, <laughs> as well as you might get along with people were actually hugely important to me because they, they kind of stretched me um, to, to do something else. But as far as kind of like role models and kind of figureheads, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I was always a huge fan of, of Martin Weigel. Okay. Um, his, the, the way that he thinks, the way that he writes uh, is, is beautiful. Uh, yeah. And hilariously, and he's going he's gonna to kill me for saying this, uh, Rob Campbell uh, was, was one of my kind of uh, role models uh, in the way that, that he wrote. And of course, I, I now work for him directly. <laughs> and and we, we kind of run uh, London together. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I made the terrible mistake of, of actually telling him this when he came to interview at RGA, <laughs> uh, which, which he, he, loves to, he loves to tell the story. But I I kind of sat down in this meeting room and he said, oh, it's, it's great to meet you. And I said, actually, we've met before. He's yeah. like, oh, re- really? I, I could tell her I kind of rocked him. I, I wasn't, I genuinely wasn't trying to be mean. Um, yeah. I, I, I was genuinely excited to, to kind of see him again and, and kind of talk about it because when I was at uni, uh, he actually came in for like a half day on a Saturday okay. to do like a workshop with, with, with our class when he, when he ran a company called Cynics. Um, and I, I thought he was brilliant and I kind of wanted a job like instantly. And mm. it was only an agency of like three people. So there wasn't really any, any kind of roles or yeah. for, for a student. And he, he said like, that's very you know, cool, but I'm sorry, but we don't have anything back then. Right. That was a, a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> and the way that he interpreted that was fuck you're old. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I was, I was a university student when he was kind of like in the middle of his, right. his career. Yeah. Um, wasn't what I intended it to be, but that's, that's how he likes to tell everybody how it went down. Um, so I, I remember reading his stuff like all through my kind of career um, and, and really enjoying kind of just the, the kind of almost anarchaic punk rock kind of approach to, to kind of strategy that, 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 that he had. And, and actually he and Mark were quite close friends and the, the combination of their thought processes is, is, is really fantastic. So as far as sort of industry role models, yeah. probably those, those yeah. two guys. Um, but I actually probably spent more time, certainly as, as I got older, kind of looking well outside the industry for inspiration and, and not necessarily having role models, but kind of you know, reading academic papers, reading psychologist stuff to get a real sense of actually what's going on in people's minds and actually what's going on in culture. Because if you're using um, the industry as the measure of what you want to know and do in this industry, then you're... Yeah, just the bubble. You're, you're, you're massively limiting yourself. So yeah. you've got to be aware of it, I guess. But um, I, I guess I made a decision reasonably early on in my career that I wasn't going to kind of religiously re- read the kind of advertising press because 
it just wasn't it wasn't going to give me it wasn't going to get me to new places it was just going to be um derivative right so you talk a lot about um hindsight and you know connecting the dots looking backwards so i'm curious you know we've all had this seemingly insignificant event you know at, at that time <laughs> that completely <laughs> changed our lives what's what's yours did you have anything like that oh um i don't think so oh wow. I, so, yeah no it, it it's it doesn't make a great story but uh <laughs> i i'm a quite a careful planner uh, mm, that makes sense it, it does make sense it makes a lot of sense um and i i guess i kind of knew where it was that i wanted to go reasonably early or at least i knew i knew what i enjoyed doing and i wanted to do more of that thing i i, I didn't necessarily know where that would take me but i kind of knew knew what it was when i was doing it okay so um, you, you you basically had like you know a, st a strategy for your career like you know you had yeah you had a plan yeah. and you, you knew where you wanted to get you know from a to b and um there was no a little bit accidental yeah. events <laughs> no so i mean look there's kind of there's two there's two pathways you can take in in your career in this yeah. industry I mean, there's more than that clearly, but there's two, there's two main types. There's, uh, the one where you are a mercenary and you jump mm. from thing, to, from thing to thing, um, trying to kind of get the fastest, fastest acceleration of experience and kind of job title. Right. Um, and that, that you can earn a lot more money much more quickly doing that. And you can get to a much more senior kind of role much more quickly doing that as well. Um, <clears throat> but you never really get the depth of experience inside of a business or on, or on a brand to, to really understand it fully. Uh, yeah. And I, I did the opposite of that where I stayed in, in all the places that I've worked, I've stayed a very long time. So I've, I've really only ever worked in three places for long periods of time. And, and the reason that I, I did that um, is I wanted to know everything about the business. I, I kind of wanted to turn, turn over every stone and kind of understand how, it, how it worked. <clears throat> MEC was, was, was great. It was a, a really good media agency and yeah. it taught me a lot about the sort of basics of connections planning, gave me a lot of exposure to um, partner agencies doing brand work. Um, but Razor and us was really the kind of major experience because that was a full service agency. And so we were doing connections planning and brand planning, um, basically whatever planning was required for the problem that you had. And so that was the first taste I had of getting to do a lot of stuff, um, not just kind of the, the media agency version where you kind of you get to the end of your your remit and you kind of go but i want to do the rest of the thinking and, and you kind of not allowed to razor and us was a was a, was a sand pit um it, it allowed me to kind of really stretch into different different parts of planning that i hadn't explored before and obviously uh rga is an even bigger sand pit than that mm. so i kind of yeah, I, I stay in places a long time because I, I want to get under the skin of actually kind of what is there every like what is everything here to kind of learn, um, and at each of those places I ask annoying questions. I kind of <laughs> poke my nose in, in the kind of projects and places that I maybe wasn't invited into yeah. first, uh, and just try and try and be helpful um, rather than sort of getting my head down and, and focusing on, on just just one thing. Um, so there hasn't been like a, a huge kind of like explosive moment of like, this is a, I was in the right place at the right time. Right. There've been a few really formative projects. Yeah. Um, most, most of them at, at, at RGA. Um, but being at the right place at the right time at the beginning of that project and then seeing it through for kind of how many months or even years that that project takes is, is hard. It's just hard work. 
So I, I, I think some people can kind of look at their experience and kind of go, there was a, there was a single chance moment that made this all, that changed everything. Um, yeah. But I, I don't think any of those experiences um, aren't then followed by serious hard work to make, to make the most from it. So of course, yeah. I, I, I'd sort of focus more on the hard work part of it than waiting for the yeah, the the luck event. Yes. Yeah. Um, something that that you know, this kind of takes me to the next question. That you've always been on the agency side, right? Um, yeah, except yeah. for news. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. Why Why do you think so? And have you ever you know considered moving to the client side? Because you know you talk about um, you know going full in and that's something you could do you know with uh, if you move to the client side you know the entire business you can go deep into it so what's what's your thoughts around this why do you think you made this decision in your life yeah i've i've, I've interviewed at lots of places um mm. to go client side and it's never something that i've ever rejected okay um it's it's only i mean i haven't really had that many opportunities <laughs> <even though I've laughs> in three places um, yeah. to really to really go and throw myself at that. And I just haven't ever really found the right opportunity in each of those places. Um, okay. And I, I, I think it kind of, maybe it comes with, with, with a level of seniority where mm-hmm. the, the type of experience that you, that, or something that I'm looking for now um, is a very specific thing when, when you then go client side. Uh, there's been obviously a, a big trend, or at least there was a big trend of kind of marketing uh, departments pulling creative agencies inside the business yeah um, with kind of mixed results um, the one thing that I've always kind of looked at from that point of view and the reason why I haven't wanted to go into, into one of those is the lack of objectivity okay um, the, the second the, the, one of the superpowers that agencies have is having an outside perspective you understand the client's business well enough to kind of know them but you need to have enough of an outside point of view to be able to give them a fresh pair of eyes. Right. And if you're inside of a company, you don't have that fresh perspective. Um, you end up quickly or over a long period of time in like just becoming part of that. So um, creativity needs objectivity. Yeah. Um, I guess and, you need and, distance, enough distance to be able to see things from a kind of zoom out perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, like the, the, the other part of it for me has always been, I've always really enjoyed um, working on really different projects at the same time um, because you take an experience from one industry and one category and one problem um, and you take it to something completely different and it gives you um, new ingredients to play with. Um, and if you're, if you're working on one client's business as the client, <laughs> yeah. uh, you end up being very obsessed with just that one thing and it, it doesn't afford you that, that perspective that you can get from, from looking at lots of different things. So the benefit that a lot of clients get when they work with agencies is that they, they get access to skills and experiences that come from parallel categories um, that, that help them to kind of change the way that they, they kind of do things. Otherwise we all, we'd all end up making category standard, generic, homogenous right. kind of, kind of work for, for everybody. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't found an opportunity client side that gives me those two things that mm-hmm. sort of objectivity and kind of diversity of work. I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure at some point um, I won't be able to wait any longer and I'll, I'll want to do that. Yeah. But for the time being, I, I love the diversity of, of, of being agency side for lack of a better word. Perfect. Okay. Um, how so, do you, yeah, how do you, 
you know, still make sure that you have time for like deep thinking and, and, and deep work? You know, do you have any techniques around that? Do you like block a day only for like deep thinking, please do not disturb or what's, what's your strategy? Um, there isn't an off switch for creativity and strategy and, and many other things. Um, it's very, very hard to ever not be thinking about something to do with work. Um, because you, you know, it, it's not like a production line, it, it, an hour's worth of thinking doesn't get you to a predictable result. Um, you could come to the answer in 30 seconds. It could take you 30 days. Um, so you, you've always, there's always a part of my brain that's on and available for thinking. And I absolutely have done that thing where you wake up in the middle of the night and write something down. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, 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 I know that I need to create space for my brain to be able to think in that way. Um, exercise is really helpful for me for that. Um, okay. I'll often, uh, come up with ideas while I'm at the gym, um, because my brain is in a different mode. Um, but a lot of it for me is about being conscious of the different modes that I'm forcing my brain to, to, to go into. So I'm in conversation mode for most of the day at work. Um, I'm in, I get home and then through the evening, things might come to me and I might sit, I might sit down and do it. Um, and yeah. same, same on, on the kind of weekend that, that that's, that's changed a little bit because, um, there's not a lot of available time to think or do anything else other than manage the three and a half year old that's demanding all of your time and attention. Um, but in lots of ways, that's actually really helpful because it means that actually giving my brain a rest for you know, most of the weekend. So there's no, I, I wouldn't say that there's a routine or habits that I have to do that, but I know that I have tools available to me to, to force my brain or to give myself the ability to try and think deeply about something. But it is, it is definitely the thing that I don't have enough of is the ability to, to spend time thinking about something. And again, people that work with me will, hear me say a lot, I haven't had time to think about this yet. Um, and it's, it's usually uh, me trying to say, can you just leave me alone and let, uh, let me do some <laughs> thinking, please? It's like you coming in and asking me, have I, have I done it yet? Isn't helping me. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, so we talk a lot about, you know, the good stuff in, in this industry, but I wanted to go a bit into like um, the, the challenging, the bad and the, the ugly. So I'm wondering um, if you had any habits or skills that you like really struggled to, to develop in yourself and if, if you have any current ones that you're you know, trying to improve. Basically, basically, I'm trying to ask you what's wrong with you. <laughs> what's bad? <laughs> Tell me something bad about you. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, God, where do I start? Um, <laughs> yeah. The, you know what, when I said before that there've been some people in my, my career that um, have had a huge impact on me that may, may not realize that they have. Um, there's a, a, a lovely woman that I worked with when I was at the very beginning of my, my career called uh, Teresa Martin. And uh, Teresa micromanaged the shit out of me. <laughs> um, and I, I kind of was always fairly bad at time management. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, like I had like homework schedules and stuff that people would force me to kind of do because I, I, I would get distracted. Um, and it's definitely a part of my personality that I can be fairly easily distracted by something. Um, she tortured me for, I mean, it felt like six months. I'm sure it was like a week um, to kind of force me to do my work in an incredibly like rigorous, um, structured way. And I hated it. I hated it. Um, but what she, I mean, she, she massively 
me argued me. Like I, I, I ended up at the end of that, that kind of process being able to compartmentalize work a lot better. And mm-hmm. it's, it's been one of the most useful things that I've, I've had in, in my, my early career was the ability to organize the way that I think, organize the way that I work and create time and space to do certain things. Um, another wonderful person that, that I, I worked with for, for a while, um, her name's Emma, Emma Lightfoot. Um, wonderful. Love you, Emma. Um, was just incredible at being able to say, uh, we're now out of time for this <laughs> meeting. I'm going to go to another one. We didn't finish this conversation. I'm going to make another time for us to continue it. <laughs> the, wow. first time she, the first time she ever did it, she was like, uh, but uh, what? <laughs> and, but, but then like a few minutes later, you get an invitation for a meeting for the next available time that we both have to continue the conversation. And sure enough, you turn up and the conversation would, would continue. She's brilliant at kind of managing her kind of time and time expectations. So time management is something I had always struggled with. I'm a lot better at it now. Um, and a lot, a large part of that's got to do with um, being tortured early in my career <laughs> and micromanaged within an inch of my life. Uh, and it's hugely helpful. Like you, th- this industry is, um, is complex. Mm. It's the, the demands on your, on your time, your creativity and, and strategy are hard things to get your head around. There is no, there is no comfortable place when you're yeah. trying to figure those things out. So you have to try and create, um, more comfort in the way that you do that yourself. Um, so having good time management skills is, I think, really, really important. Yeah. So that takes me a bit to my next question, um, you know, talking about planning and work and, and projects. Did you have, like, do you have a campaign or, or work project or, you know, something that you would like to do over, something you, you're not 100% happy with how it went and you would love to go back in time to just do it all over again <laughs> i mean every project i've ever done <laughs> wow. um, no <laughs> no I, I think you'll find that a lot of people feel that way that yeah and, yeah especially in, in our industry i guess we're never 100 happy you know with yeah, what we i mean I, i'm i'm never 100 happy with anything that i do because <laughs> i'm sure that, I'm, I'm sure that there was a there was a better way to do it and, and yeah the, the cool and torturous thing about working in a place like like rga um, and and a lot of a lot of places in, in London because of the the quality and the talent's so good, is there's always someone right next to you who's a lot better than you, yeah. <laughs> who would have done it totally differently, and you can see it, but you don't know how they they would have got there. So you, you're kind of always looking around, being inspired and challenged by the people around you. So um, yeah, there's I don't think there's a single project that that I've I've ever done that I'd look at and say that was perfection. I wouldn't change a thing. Mm-hmm. There's, there's certainly certainly projects I look at and say that part of it was perfect and I wouldn't change a thing, but there are tons of other things that I would do differently. And that's, you know, if, if ever you've got to that point, you should probably quit because you, you, you've reached perfection and you're not going to be able to get any better. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think anyone's ever going to get to that place. And, and if they think they have, then they might want to check again. Um, but yeah, look, there's, there's plenty of, there's plenty of things that I think I would like to have my time again to sell it differently because mm. there's, there's a ton of stuff that, okay. n- that, that never made it that yeah. I think was my fault that okay. I didn't manage to, to land it in the right way for, to make it viable. And there's, I get, I get annoyed <clears throat> hearing people and I've heard it through my whole career saying, oh, the clients weren't <laughs> brave enough to buy something. I wasn't smart enough to understand what we were saying. And I haven't heard in, in, a, in, in a while, to be, to be fair, but certainly yeah. um, early on in my career, you come back from meetings, but oh, 
idea was perfect clients <laughs> an idiot and, I, and I, I can't help but think that like that's on you like, yeah maybe maybe the client wasn't brave enough maybe they didn't understand but that's your job to help them understand that's your job to make them brave enough to buy the stuff because that's what that's what you're being paid for is to offer creative solutions and if you don't if you don't have the ability to um, help someone buy something completely impossible then that's kind of on you it'd be wonderful if, if all of the people we work with kind of had ambition and vision and kind of well, almost kind of stupidity to bias things that are completely crazy. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's there's plenty, plenty of things that I, I'd like a, like a second run at. A lot of them are um, re redoing how you sell a concept so that it actually gets bought and you actually get to do it. But most of the projects that I've done, yeah, I'd go back and tweak things. Lots of things. <laughs> I can 100% relate with this because it, it it's a bit similar with what happens in my. Uh, part of the world you know in my like in the tech industry uh, especially with startups right like you go and you when you're in fundraising mode you go and you pitch you know your company to investors and then I hear a lot about oh this VC didn't get my you know my startup idea or what we're doing you didn't understand they're from a different industry you know they're too old or you know stuff like that Um, but in the end you you didn't pitch your vision, you know, well enough. And, you know, I can, I can totally understand that from my own perspective. Um, you know, every, every rejection and every no I, I've ever received, you know, it was, it was on me. You know, I, I didn't tell it well enough or I didn't explain it well enough from their perspective. I didn't try to make it, you know, clear enough for them to, to understand. So um, yeah. I can, I'm it, on the it, same page with you. A- it's, a, it's an interesting and I think quite an important thing to, to kind of think about because the, the one thing that, that can really break you in this sort of industry, and I'm, I'm sure it's the same um, when you're starting your own business, is you, you hear no a lot, right? And, and, and you kind of, you have to have a certain amount of resilience to not let those no's crush you. Yeah. Uh, and if you, it's a hell of a lot easier to hear a no and say, oh, but it wasn't me. I was perfect. It was their fault. They <laughs> yeah. no. right? Versus kind of looking at that and going, yeah, I didn't do a good enough job of that. Because if you, if you, said, if you heard every no as you didn't do a good enough job, yeah. you would just be like, you'd be crushed. Yeah, yeah, so, that's true. So, so, so you have to have, I think, a certain amount of resilience and a certain amount of balance to kind of say, here are the things that I can learn from this no. Um, here are the things that I, I know I have confidence in myself that I did right, that were, that were good things, but here are the things that could have been improved because I didn't quite read the situation this way or this wasn't right or I didn't think about that perspective kind of well enough. Yeah. Um, so it, for me, it, it, and it's cliche, but, you know, it, it's, it's what you learn that's, that's important from, from failure. But yeah, I, I 100%. It's, it's, it's also a bit to do with the attitude towards us. Like if you're going in really listening and really paying attention to kind of what those no's actually mean. Yeah. Then you can, you can kind of continue to keep that resilience up um, because yeah. it can be, can be super crushing. You know? the, the, the kind of the, the failure rate and the cancel rate and the, the kind of the, the amount of no's that you can get in a creative process um, can really get you down. I guess it's about, you know, optimism in the end. Okay. You know, this is, yes, this is on me but I will do better next time. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, about just, just this thought, you know, I learned something from this. 
next time it's gonna be better. <laughs> That's the way to survive. <laughs> it's it's I, I I totally agree, but I would add also that it's about pragmatism. Because mm. I think that getting through on kind of happy thoughts is, is not <laughs> it's not going to get you very far. Yeah, uh, true, true. Um, there has to be a certain amount of yeah, yeah. It, it will be better next time, but be prepared to work hard at what it takes to right. get to that, and and kind of know what it's going to take to get to that. Um, but you have to have an optimistic outlook in order for you to keep going. But I think you you need to have pragmatism to to be able to look at um, how you get to that. Yeah. Place. Yeah. Great. So my last question before we wrap up with. Um, our rapid fire session of questions. <laughs> My last question is like, what's one, you know, belief or, or buzzword trending today that's like really annoying you that, you know, you disagree with? Oh, just one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Pick one. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, just, just because it's topical and, and we did a, a little project in the last year, I'm going to say AI. AI. Um, well, why? Yeah. Why do you think it's massively, you know, overrated? I don't think it is overrated. I think I think it's. I think oh, it's, it's just annoying. Tool. <laughs> I I find the way that people think about it and ah. look at it annoying. Um, and and there's a couple of parts to it, but but the main one for me is uh, whenever you say AI, <laughs> in, 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 instead of this is my 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 one hot tip, instead of saying AI or instead of thinking AI say advanced statistics mm. because that's really what it is. It's not some magical evil thing that's going to take <laughs> over the world yet. Um, the AI that we have right now is advanced statistics. Yeah. It's not AI actually yet. <laughs> yeah. Not, not yet. Right. So yeah. th there's been a lot of debate in the last year. I, I was even, I think on a, on, a, on a panel last year talking about AI versus creativity. Ooh. <laughs> and I, I find, I find that, fucking funny to be honest like, <laughs> it's, it's just when you start to go through a list of things that are what is currently defined as ai in the creative industries it, they're just powerful tools yeah I, AI, AI, ai gives people creativity superpowers that's basically it right um your camera whenever you're taking a photograph it's using ai Right. It's it's judging the settings based on the light that it's reading. It's making yep. a bunch of decisions about the combination of aperture and shutter speed, and and it's it's making decisions for you. That is artificial intelligence. That is advanced statistics. So uh, any sort of photo editing tool or um, Photoshop, it's using AI. Right. There's there's parts of that process there that's judging um, what is it that you're trying to do and giving you an aid and a help. And we would say that those are both powerful creative tools so ai it's a tool <laughs> that's a great ending for our podcast <laughs> remember guys it is just a tool okay so i love to i love to wrap up you know the the interview with like a rapid fire question so you know two three oh. words short answers um so the first one you actually answered to it i think but but you know let's see if you have a, a different one um so if you want to be doing what you're doing today what else would you do i'll be a teacher be a teacher you said music <laughs> you said producing yeah. music man <laughs> yeah no, I'll, t I'll, I'll take teacher, teacher. So. i'll, I'll, I'll take teacher. teacher as well okay great good um worst worst advice you've ever received <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> <Short>. um, <laughs> oh god i i'm gonna have to think of it. i think i probably 
deleted it from my brain because I oh wow um, <laughs> worst advice I've, I've, I've ever got uh oh yeah worst advice I ever got the squeaky wheel gets the oil oh what does that even mean it means complain until like complain so much that people will want to fix your problem oh wow okay <laughs> okay good Basically, Basically irritate people into doing what you want them to do. And I'm like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to do that. That's yeah. Not, that's not my approach. Yeah. Not, you. not, not your philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not my philosophy in life, no. Okay. Good. Um, favorite social media network, if you have one. Oh, shit, aren't they? Uh, I'm, probably <laughs> more, I'm probably more addicted to Instagram than I am anything else. I don't know if I like it, though. Addicted. I, I think I have to rephrase this question moving forward. <laughs> Most addictive social media network. Okay. Yeah, Good. it's definitely Instagram for me. Yeah. What like underdog company do you think is doing great marketing? Um, underdog. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know if I have an answer for that. <laughs> or like I, maybe, I, maybe, maybe a favorite, I, you know, maybe a favorite brand, not necessarily from like the perspective of doing great marketing, but like a favorite brand that you have nowadays. I, I don't know if I like anything out there at the moment. Oh, wow. Wow. That's very nihilistic. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I also haven't, to be perfectly honest, spent a lot of time looking outwards recently. That's interesting. Because, yeah, you know, like marketers are known for like really looking into like Super Bowl ads and <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably more a result of being kind of a little bit too busy and too consumed with, <laughs> with, with, with kind of stuff. But I, I don't tend to kind of troll the internet looking for the latest ad. Mm. Um, I mean, a, a, a big part of that is that, you know, not all the work we do is advertising. Like yeah. we're, we're doing kind of lots of different stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that for me isn't a, a single source of inspiration. I'll come across stuff that I like every now and again. Go, that, that was, that was very sweet, but um, I certainly don't, really look out for it necessarily i i kind of think that in lots of ways that um if the industry is going to move forward um then we've got to look at different places yeah um, so yeah i don't know if i have a good that one. that's bad that's okay no that's okay my last one is if if people want to learn more about you or if they want to potentially connect ask you some you know advice or or, or questions where can they do that um probably linkedin yeah is, is it the easiest way to do it great um yeah good there and I, I usually i usually get to them at some point great well thank you so so much for taking the time to catch up and share your story i really enjoyed yeah. it um, thank you very much for having me yeah and for everyone else listening in thank you for joining and i i hope you enjoyed this episode and don't forget we have new episodes every wednesday Subscribe to People of Marketing on your favorite podcast app. And till next time. Thank you very much.